Welcome to Café Klingendal, the podcast series of the Klingendal Institute. Since 2015, the European Union has been absorbed by the migration crisis, trying to find ways in which to stem the flow of irregular migration across the Mediterranean. Resources and capital have been spent to stop this flow of migration. One aspect that has received a lot less attention, however, is what the impact has been of Europe's migration policies in a country like Niger, particularly in a region such as Agadez, a key transit hub for African migration towards Europe. I'm joined by Francia Molinar. Francia is a research fellow at Klingenau's Conflict Research Unit and has just finished a research on this particular issue. The research is called A Line in the Sand, Roadmap for Sustainable Migration Management in Agadez, and it looks at the economic, political, and security impacts of Europe's migration policies. Franship, could you tell us a bit more about the research that you've just finished? Yes, thank you um, for having invited me to this podcast. Then. So we conducted a, a study on the effects of migration and migration policies on, on Agadez in Niger, focusing on Agadez in particular because it's one of the main transit hubs on the route from West Africa uh, to Algeria and Libya, and uh, in some cases also onto Europe. What we're seeing right now is also that uh, Agadez is a focal point in EU policies targeting this migration. And that has been quite successful if you ask EU policymakers in their latest progress report on migration partnerships. Uh, Niger is even mentioned as an exceptional case of what can be achieved um, in setting up partnerships with African countries in this um, fight against migration, you could call it. This has materialized in practice by EU police training missions in Agadez. Um, the EU has also supported the Nigerian government in setting up long-term and short-term migration action plans. So a lot is happening hmm. in Niger in terms of stopping this, this migration. What are your main findings? Our main findings are that despite all the investments that are now being done in the region by the European Union, the local population is generally uh, worse off. We can see that in the economy. Um, our, our survey showed that uh, up to one-third of our respondents worked or benefited from the migration economy. So they are seeing a loss of income right now. Um, in terms of the legitimacy of political authorities, we see that political authorities already had low legitimacy levels or low trust levels to begin with. And now there are a lot of complaints from the local population that uh, the authorities are only working for the European Union's good and that they're not helping the people that got them elected. And then we are also seeing some, some negative consequences in terms of security. So now that uh, the migration industry has become criminalized, um, the industry has gone underground. So that has really created a more dangerous situation for migrants themselves. What we're also seeing is that many young people that used to work in migration uh, have now turned to banditry as a way to make an, an alternative income. So the amount of attacks on buses or cars around Agadez has gone up. And our respondents also tell us that there's more crime within Agadez itself right now. And that is problematic also because Agadez is located in a, in a somewhat volatile region. Uh, there are studies that show that there's a process of radicalization underway in, in Agadez already. So that really begs the question, how long can you invest in harming local population without that having very negative consequences. 
That, that's very interesting. So these really are the negative side effects of what has been, on the face of it, a quite successful uh, policy intervention by the European Union to stop migration. Because migration has come down uh, through Agadez, hasn't it? Yes. It's difficult to say how much if you look at the official figures. Then the roads monitored by the International Organization for Migration show a 75% decrease of outgoing migrants. But we know that that smugglers now circumvent these roads because they don't want to get arrested. So we don't know how many migrants still travel through other routes uh, through the desert. What we do know, however, is that the bus companies that transport migrants from the capitals of their countries to Agadez, that they have also seen a significant decrease in, in passengers. So there are less buses now bringing in this supply of migrants, if you if you will. So that does show that migration has gone down through Agadez, at least northbound migration. The European Union has obviously focused a lot on trying to stem the flow of migration. How has that changed its policy measures towards Niger and Agadez? Yeah, you could say that uh, a very strong connection is now being made between cooperating with these migration mitigating measures and receiving development aid. In the new Dutch uh, the coalition agreement, agreement um, the strategy is called less for less and more for more. Um, so even stating that if countries do not cooperate with migration mitigating measures, then they will receive less development aid and vice versa. So countries that, that collaborate more will receive more development aid. And what are these mi- um, migration mitigating measures you talk about? So migration mitigating measures would be in, uh, investing in border security, in, um, in stopping human smuggling, for example. What does this mean for our development agenda in countries like Niger? For now, we can say that this focus on migration, everything that, that's being done in Agadez now is such a clear uh, focus on stopping migratory flows. In the short term, we're seeing that it's actually creating developmental problems in the region. And that is the case because migration was an important economy for the local population. So in our study where we did a survey with a big sample of respondents from Agadez, we found that up to one third of people said that they earned money from migration. So that is now an activity that's no longer available to them. And are those illegal activities that people have been uh, involved with? Or what, what are the economic activities connected with migration that people then say they are involved with? Well, obviously, there are some smugglers in our sample as well, um, but that's not the whole uh, story about the migration industry. So you do have the drivers that drive migrants from Agadez to Libya or to Algeria. But you also have uh, the ghettos where migrants were lodged during their stay. So there was, it, it sounds a bit obscure maybe, but there was basically uh, accommodation. There was a food industry catering to migrants. There were, it was an important water selling industry because each migrant would take five gallons of water with them into the desert. So there was a sort of a water industry developing around that. Coal shops, um, banks, a lot of money transfers, uh, money transfer agencies. Uh, and that all was creating a sort of an economic impetus for Agadez as a city that then also drove other economic sectors. Mm-hmm. So if there's a higher demand for food, then obviously the agricultural sector also receives a boost or the people working in the agricultural sector. Or the drivers that would bring migrants from Agadez to, to Libya would then also bring back goods and products that could then be sold in Agadez as well. So all these different industries developed around this migration industry. And all those industries are now seeing a downturn 
You would expect that um, the EU in its development policy, or the Netherlands in its development policy, then tries to invest in alternative economic mm -hmm. uh, activities. Is any of that happening? Well, before I answer that question, I should add that um, these problems that we're now seeing in the migration economy, they compound a larger problem, namely that many economic sectors in Agadez have seen troubles lately. And now we're also seeing this migration industry being shut down. And I think that's, that illustrates one of the problems with these migration policies is that they are implemented without taking into account such larger economic dynamics. And then um, you are left with a population that sees basically all its opportunities for economic development shut off or shut down. And they are now wondering, what do you want or what do you expect us to do? Because you know, all these sectors that we're using to make a living are no longer available to us. So there, is some, there are some provisions in the European trust fund, that's the money that's being used for all these policies in Agadez. So about 30% of the trust fund is reserved for investments in, in long-term economic development. But the problem is that those programs, they take some time to set them up first, because you need international organizations that need to hire local staff that need to do their scoping missions. So it takes about a year for them to set up shop. And then these are all programs that take a couple of years to, to really show their dividends as well. So whereas migration policies could be implemented very very swiftly and, and showed results in, in a couple of months, there's nothing really that we have offered in return. There are no short-term economic programs that can offset these negative economic consequences. The European Union apparently has been quite effective in, in stopping the migration industry or reducing it. We've talked about the economic consequences that this has for Agadez and the broader community. Do we also see implications at the socio-economic level and at the political level? How does this translate into the way in which governance works in and around Agadez? An important uh, political consequence that we're seeing right now is that the population is very frustrated with these EU policies, but they're also getting frustrated with their own politicians because they're saying, why are you working together with the EU and not for the benefit of, of us, the people that got you elected? And that is a big concern for local authorities as well. We, we did some interviews with them and they're really seeing this, this, these tensions coming up in their communities. In our survey, um, we looked at how much trust people have in their authorities or to what extent they would turn to their authorities for help. And there you could see a very clear distinction between more traditional authorities, such as uh, tribal elders or imams, for example, who are generally highly trusted. Whereas public officials and elected officials are, um, have very low trust levels and they are also not seen as very helpful in times of need. So you're faced with a situation in which state authorities already have a low level of legitimacy and now they're confronted by an even more aggravated population that is asking them to basically stop supporting these policies. So that is one, I think, economic political consequence. We also see that the police was always very much involved in, in the migration industry because it allowed them to to get money, basically. Um, so they would set up roadblocks, for example, mm. where migrants would have to pay and then they could continue their journeys. So what we're seeing now is that uh, although many smugglers get arrested, there are also smugglers that are able not to get arrested by basically paying off the police. And people know this and people get frustrated with the police as well. Um, they're seeing the police as corrupt. And this was not just our observation, but also of the local authorities saying these policies right now, they're really creating more mistrust 
of the police and, and are pitting the local population against the police. And I think that is one of the, the problems with these, these police trainings that, that are being offered now is that once again, they're only focusing on stopping migration without just even uh, investigating whether it would be possible to maybe expand the curriculum a bit and to also address issues of police corruption, for example, or to see if in these police trainings you could incorporate an element where the police scope citizen demands or what the community would need in terms of security and to also invest in communal security and not just in, in stopping migration, which for the local population isn't really that big of a problem. It seems like there is some need for change in the way we, in the way the Netherlands, in the way Europe approaches either the more for more and less for less approach to migration policy and tries to avoid instrumentalizing development aid purely for the purpose of stopping the migratory flows. What are your recommendations for European governments based on those research that you've done? My main recommendation would be do not fall into the same trap as, as terrorism policies did before, for example, because there you could also see the same tendency of just having a very narrow focus on stopping terrorism without taking into account that terrorism doesn't occur in isolation, but it's linked to societal problems, economic problems. Uh, there are all these push and pull factors. And I think what we're witnessing now with migration is the same thing. So everything has to do with stopping migration. Migration is seen in isolation without taking into account that migration is a social and cultural phenomenon linked to local economies, And that if you now invest in or if you um, become active in a region of Agadez, uh, policymakers should be aware that there's research showing that there's a radicalization dynamic going on in Agadez already. Agadez is located in a very volatile region with with Mali to the to the west, Libya and Algeria to the north, you know, all these countries that have strong extremist groups. So um, my main policy recommendation would be if you invest in such a region, take the context into account and, and try to see or try to predict almost beforehand how your policies might influence ongoing socio-economic or political dynamics. But that's a very broad uh, recommendation. And of course, we also try to make it more specific. So what we do in our reports is identify what we call these deposits of social and political and economic capital that do exist in Agadez. So there are economic growth sectors out there. There are authorities that you could work with who have already identified the needs of populations in their regional development plans. So there are all these initiatives that you could take into account and rather than just coming in and, and, and trying to set up shop uh, from scratch, uh, you could work with, with what's already there and to make sure that the people of Agadez themselves are better off because of their collaboration with the EU. And that is not what we are seeing right now. Thank you very much, Francia. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about the research and diving into some of the detail in this uh, extensive piece of work that, uh, that Francia and colleagues have, uh, have done in, uh, in Agadez, you can access the report on uh, the Klingendal website. It is called A Line in the Sand, Roadmap for Sustainable Migration Management in Agadez. If you want to stay updated on future Café Klingendal podcasts, please subscribe to our newsletter at www.klingendal.org.